0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game. Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy.
1: Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Author unknown. And that happens to be our guest Abby Chamberlain's favorite quote, so I thought I would use that today. I'm super excited about our topic, which is about the importance of building relationships with our clients, having contact list, treating them like gold, because when we do that, they will come back over and over again. They will refer us, and the lovely thing is, our business will be built on creating friends and getting to see them and service them over and over again. So thank you again for subscribing, rating, and sharing this podcast. And also just a reminder, if you want to connect with me one-on-one, you can go to lucydumascoaching.com or feel free to send me an email, lucy at lucydumas.com, to learn more about my coaching program with insight training for photographers or anything else you'd like to connect about. So today, I'm super excited to have one of my favorite people in the world, Abby Chamberlain, as our guest. The reason I ask her to be on the show today is because of everyone I know, as I've been in this industry for 37 years, she has been one of the best at staying in touch with her ideal clients. and really cultivating relationships that pay off in a massive way in her business. So she's going to share more about that, but I wanted to give you a little about her background. She started as a commercial photographer in 1977. Then she was a wedding specialist for 22 years, photographing high-end weddings all over Southern California, Her average wedding sale was $12,000, so, you know, she knows some stuff about creating profitable photography businesses. Then she transitioned to becoming a fine portrait photographer and retired from that 37 years ago. During that time, she taught a business of photography class that she called Abbey Road, (laughs) which was fun. She's also a giver, and what she has done is she created a program with San Diego Hospice called Hearts That Care, and for seven years, she provided free family portraits and wall portraits to families with children in hospice, and I didn't know about that, Abby.
0: Well, it was very meaningful and very profound to be a part of family life with people who were imminently losing a child and that was just it touched my heart and i wanted to give back to the community but i also wanted to get to know these families because the experiences of kind of walking in their moccasins for a couple of hours really really brings home how important families are and love and relationships and that is what i'm all about it's interesting
1: because i've found as i've been doing these podcasts, that every one of my guests seems to have something that they've done to give back to the community. And I personally believe that that creates a nice cycle where, I don't know, the universe, God, human nature, that good things come back our way when we give of our time and talents and not give to receive, but it's it's a natural flow. What do you think about that, Abby? Do you agree with that?
0: I completely agree with that. I think in our core, we are, as humans, we are very nurturing and care about others and want to give back to the world. So I think even on a a personal family level, we do it all the time, but to extend it to another, another circle outside of our families is just another level of joy, another level of of goodness that the heart yeah. feels i think it opens
1: something up in us where we're more able to receive it it like space for receiving not that we do it in order to receive but it's a it's a beautiful side benefit so just to share a little more about abby she retired 5 years ago and has been traveling and having so much fun and really focusing on fine art. If you go to her website, you will see much of her fine art work. So now besides doing her fine art, she's also teaching at George's camera in San Diego, and she's available for private tutoring, particularly in Photoshop and creativity. So I want to know, What inspired you to become a photographer? Kind of an overview of where you started and your journey.
0: For sure. Well, thanks. I grew up loving photography and I think every listener can probably relate to that because what I've discovered doing my 10 years of Abbey Road seminars is that virtually every photographer starts business because they love photography. And Part of the problem and the reason I was teaching the business of photography is that so many professional photographers don't value their time and their work because they would do it for free. Right. (laughs) Can you? Yeah. (laughs) I grew up loving photography and it was only natural when I was 22 to expand my life in a career place instead of being a waitress Uh place. And Mm -hmm. photography seemed just a natural extension of who I am. And it was something I did and I loved, and I still love, and my gosh, my to-do list is longer now than when I was in business.
1: (laughs) So what did you struggle with when you got started?
0: Well, as a commercial photographer, I was doing ad illustrations, architecture, executive portraits, models, portfolios. But I realized that spending seven hours photographing a perfume bottle wasn't exactly what I loved doing it. was, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I really enjoyed the model photography and working with portraiture. So I decided to leave that commercial side of me behind and transition to being a wedding photographer. I I don't know exactly why, but I did have a couple of friends asking me to do their weddings. And that probably was just a natural transition. So they asked me to do it. I probably did it for... So little money that <laughs> you're it was gone. And yeah. Of course, the days of film. So um, it got me started. It got me thinking about weddings. And I went to a number of different seminars, classes, workshops, bought books on wedding photography, you know, was basically self-taught at that point. Uh-huh. I loved I loved doing weddings, and I specialized in only doing weddings for 22 years. So, you mentioned in your bio that your
1: average wedding order was twelve thousand dollars.
0: That was toward the end. That was not the entire 22 years. Well, sure. <laughs> so, what did a client receive for twelve thousand dollars? <laughs> a lot of work that they never saw behind the scenes. But the sure. average, my average wedding was an eight or a ten hour coverage. And I always had a second shooter and I had an assistant. I provided really high quality, beautiful albums at a time when albums were the thing. Mm -hmm. I would love to see more weddings these days providing albums, but that's another topic for another day. My clients usually bought two parent albums, Sometimes three or four if there were divorced, you know, (laughs) parents. Uh So they got a lot of beautiful portraits in their albums. Generally, two to three hundred individual beautifully retouched, gorgeous portraits and illustrations of their romance and their love and establishing shots of what the church looked like. Part of what I also did was a very natural sort of photojournalistic look, but not your total, what people do these days with photojournalism. I did a lot of beautiful posing and people gravitated toward my business because they saw the elegance, but they also could see how natural the poses look. Plus, a lot of my business was referral. So the actual, what they went home with that they spent
1: $12,000 were beautiful albums. Mm-hmm. Some for themselves, some
0: for family members. Right. Did they buy wall portraits as well? Almost always there was a wall portrait of the engagement session. And almost always there was a lovely wall portrait of the couple on the wedding day. Okay. So, yes.
1: So the 12,000 included the engagement portraits. Mm-hmm. Cool. And one of the things just for listeners to know is that when I am coaching a wedding photographer, I often help them transition from selling the files to ways that they can include an album or inspire the clients to purchase an album. Right. In most cases it it doubles my clients income because they're taking the time to actually sell a finished product that makes clients super happy. So Abby and I are both big fans of in-person sales. And actually people going home with something that they can display on their walls, put on a tabletop. So I wanted to transition here and get into the topic of today, the topic du jour, (laughs) which is using a contact list, keeping really good records on your clients Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and having an awesome relationship that is ongoing With those people that you really loved. I don't know about the listeners, but I know that once I've worked for a client and they've been fun and they've invested well, I'm almost sad because it's like I'm a member of their family now and they're going to go away and I'm not going to see them often. One of the things that Abby is the queen at is staying in touch with her clients and building a Really solid foundation of repeat business and referrals. So, for people who are starting their business, or if you're wanting to reinvent your business in a way that's more solid, it's imperative that you collect all contact information, phone numbers, emails, and home addresses from your clients birthdays, anniversaries, anything that can give you an excuse to contact your clients. I've actually been surprised, Abby, Well, coaching clients, how few have robust contact lists. Mm-hmm. Does that surprise you?
0: Not so much. It's sad because it's such a valuable way to make a client feel special. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these days we do so much Contact with our clients through email, through texting, through leaving voicemail. One of the things that I think set me apart and made my business unique was I phoned whenever possible. And if I didn't reach someone, I'd leave a message, and more often than not, they would give me the courtesy of a callback. But if they didn't call back, I'd try again the next day. Mm -hmm. Having so many people give me the feedback that They chose me because of how I treated them over the phone. They chose to come to my studio and check out my work and consider me as their photographer because of the way I made them feel over the phone. Mm -hmm. I that feedback so often. When people are shopping for a photographer, they'll often call four, five, six, seven people. My clients would tell me, I chose to come meet you because, Abby, you were the only one who called me back and spoke to me as if we were friends. Mm -hmm. I have a couple people call me back and they would start with, well, what's your budget? Or what do you want? (laughs) And that kind of attitude isn't going to win you clients and make you friends. My clients were such good friends that, like you said, it's just wonderful to be a part of their day. But also because of all my repeat business, it was wonderful knowing them for years and years and years to come as their families grew up. So tell me how you used your client
1: list. So I assume you took all the contact information that you could. Did you get birthdays and anniversaries and such?
0: Yeah, but I didn't do it in a formal way, Lucy. I never did it by handing them a form to fill out. I never did it by asking them directly while I was getting contact information for those things. I did it, Very much on the side, in conversation, during our consultations here at the studio, I would just drop a question here or there, and whatever their answer was, I would log in my head for when they left. I maintained a really good client file system, writing everything down. If they had mentioned that, let's say it's for a wedding, and the bride is here, her mother is here, that was very typical occasionally her maid of honor would would come and, and that would be who I'd have in front of me for the consultation. Oftentimes, I would keep track of how many sisters or brothers she had, whether they were younger or older, whether they were married or not. And I would find all that out just with a casual question here or there, just making conversation. So I
1: think I remember in your office, you had file folders with five by
0: eight cards on your clients? Am I right? I kept a file system with cards. I I have to see things in writing. I don't have that retentive a memory. So I wrote copious notes when they would leave. I would write a paragraph of all the things I wanted to remember about them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I hadn't photographed them yet. So I didn't have a photo to remember what they looked like. So I would even write details like what they looked like because if I'm going to see them again or run into them at Trader Joe's or something, I wanted to be able to know their names instantly. And that actually did happen many times. I would see clients out and about and they were always so impressed that I knew who they were. One
1: of the lovely things about your business is you were right in the center of the community that is your and my ideal client. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that, likelihood that you would run into them in your community in San Diego was high. So that's brilliant. So if people are using CRMs, customer relation management programs or other ways to keep and gather and refer back to the information. If their computer rather than using cards, they can keep that information on whatever. Sure. But the important thing is have a system and keep using them. Mm -hmm. So what did you do on a regular basis to stay in touch with your clients?
0: The answer is a little different if it was a portrait client later in my career versus a wedding client earlier because you have different excuses to contact them. So let's start with the portraits. Sure. Well, after the consultation, we would schedule a day to do the session. And during the consultation, we would have spoken to them about everything meaningful in their life that they would like to capture. You know, feelings within the family, whichever children gravitated more toward dad or gravitated more toward mom, because I wanted to capture authenticity in the portrait session. So that was part of the consultation. But then to contact them later after the session, there's so much business to do with the clients in the initial few months that my golden method of reaching out to past clients was something that didn't happen for about six months to a year after would deliver the final portraits.
1: Right. And that's what I want to hear more about.
0: Right. It usually took, I'd say, six months minimum of conversations, consultations, deliveries, sales appointments all of the things that we do for our business was usually about a six-month period of time for a portrait client. Then after that period, I would always send a holiday card, and I knew what kind of card to send based on, again, the conversations. I would take any opportunity to to send an anniversary or or birthday card. After, of course, they received all of their wall portraits and all of their framing, because I did framing as well, the first contact they would have from me was a thank you note. In fact, I would usually send three thank you notes, one after the consultation, one after the session, and one after they had received their final delivery of wall portraits. So that started a kind of a trend that they knew that I cared about them. They knew that I was going to be in touch. Mm -hmm. So, So then when the holidays rolled around or six months later, if it hadn't been the holidays, I would be in touch with them again. And it was almost always a card, but I know I'm gonna be sharing a lot about how I kept the relationships personal. So that'll be in a moment. But right now you're asking, how did I stay in touch? And initially it would have been a lot of cards. So, what I'm
1: asking about specifically, because I know that you regularly, at least my understanding is, you regularly make phone calls to your clients just to say, hello mm-hmm. and invite them to lunch or dinner. Mm-hmm.
0: I did. I did a lot of the inviting to lunch.
1: So that's the part that I've been so impressed with over the years is your consistency. So how often would you regularly call your favorite clients? You know, after everything settled after
0: everything's delivered, tell me more about that. I'm happy to every month. I would have a little short list of people that were just on my mind, clients that maybe I hadn't spoken to in a year or three years, but clients whose personal contact I had enjoyed, or maybe they weren't like best friend clients, but they were clients I cared about. And sometimes it was strategic. Sometimes it was because I knew they had a son who was going to be graduating high school and would need senior portraits, or I knew that the client's parents, the grandparents to the children, were getting elderly. I created an awful lot of multi-generational family heritage because it really meant a lot to me to to show beautiful, loving families with the senior citizens in the pictures as well. Often it would be the last portrait the elderly clients would ever take. So going back to like the actual structure, monthly, you would
1: make a list of people to contact that month?
0: Yep. I would generally do it all in one day. I would make the short list. It was usually about five clients and I would call each one during the course of the morning or something. And I mentioned that I would love to get together and take them out to lunch. huh. They were quite receptive. And I generally booked two lunches a month. So sometimes it would be three. My goal was one a week. So that's why I called five people. Yes, If they couldn't do it that month, often they could do it the next month. So it wasn't wasn't that they didn't meet with me. It was just that the timing wasn't perfect. But I try every month to call at least five past clients and take them to lunch.
1: So it really doesn't take that much time. Not at all. Now, if you're doing lunch, you said once a week.
0: Mm -hmm. So you got to eat anyway right mhm <laughs> i would always choose a really nice restaurant that was i would ask them you know where would they like to go or i would suggest something that i thought they would like and then they would say usually you know that they would love to go there yeah to meet there and of course i picked up the tab yeah and it was always such fun to to glean more information about their family and to discover how much we had in common it was really friend raising, you know, it was really beneficial to my heart and soul to have that kind of closer relationship with people, and not just a business relationship.
1: And I would say, you know, I think that there might be some people listening that are like, I'm an introvert. And oh, that's scary, which is understandable. I don't see you as an extrovert, Abby. I see you as someone that enjoys that one-on-one personal conversation quite a bit. So my guess is it's actually easier than you
0: think someone might think. Does that make sense to you? Yes and no. I think everyone has to find something that feels right for them. Yes. People are wonderful with the written word, and they could build a client relationship with sending cards and notes. Some people might be more comfortable having a conversation and could really, really benefit from inviting clients out to lunch. Mm -hmm. I would say stretch your comfort zone, but remain authentic. Right.
1: Well, I think even these days, since coffee shops are so cool, Mm -hmm. that that's an easy one. Not going all the way to lunch, which involves an hour plus, but. Mm -hmm. Meeting for coffee could be a nice entry point. What I love about this kind of marketing is it's really building depth and richness and and valuing each client. One of the things in business that you hear over and over and over again, I'm sure you've heard this, Abby, is it's infinitely easier to keep a client
0: than to get a new one. Absolutely. That is Probably the takeaway from today. Yes. 50% of my business as time went on, 50% of my sales every year came from either repeat clients or their direct recommendations in referrals. Right. So you became their personal artist. I did.
1: And the, the rewards on that and
0: your average sales were significant. Portrait sales got up to $4,000 the last few years. I'm very good at tracking all the minutiae of business. I'm very good at keeping track of what my sales are. And I would compare them year to year and set myself goals. And I remember one day talking to a friend, a colleague, and my average for family portraiture was $2,500 that year. I remember saying to my friend, I really see myself with a $4,000 average. And within three years, I had reached that goal. Good job.
1: Thank you. Uh, That's my other takeaway is, or what I hope people would take away, is when you visualize something and you write it down and you share it, there's like this magnet that starts pulling it towards us. Mm -hmm. And I I wrote down a goal when I first was starting my business. I went to a workshop and the leader was teaching the principal and said, you know, how much do you want to earn by next year or within two years something? And I wrote a $50,000 average. This was mm-hmm. just starting in my career. And two years later, I accidentally ran across the paperwork from that you know the notes and i had a seventy five thousand dollar average and it seemed so easy at the time when when i wrote it down fifty thousand seemed impossible but i wrote it down anyway so really glad you brought that up about the value of setting stretch goals you know you didn't say i'm going to have a million dollar average sale (laughs) (laughs) But from 25 to 4 is not a huge leap. It's so doable when we make a decision that we're going to do that. So
0: I'd love that. One thing that's important to realize when you're hearing figures like we've been throwing out is pricing has everything to do with whether you can reach goals such as the numbers we were using. I taught the Pricing for Profits Every January for 10 years to professional photographers in San Diego and Orange counties. And one thing I would like to leave your listeners with is reevaluate your pricing structure, make sure that the thing that you don't like doing is the one you're charging the most for, and make sure that your prices give you enough profit to have a professional living from your income from photography. Business, it's a career, and won't get there if your portrait prices are rock bottom or middle of the road. Being able to provide something to clients that they love and value because the artistry is there, the quality is there, and you can charge more if you have those first two things. Get yourself to a level where you can charge A heck of a lot of money for the items that you sell and believe in yourself. Yes,
1: totally agree. When I'm working with a a client in coaching, we start with the end in mind Mm -hmm. and work backwards to figure out how they can achieve not only the let's say the yearly sales, but how we can have each client purchase what you need them to purchase for the money you need in order to reach your goals. So that's a, that's a great point. So briefly I want you to share a little about your current education opportunities and again, how people can find you if they want to know more or connect or take your classes. So can you share a little about that?
0: Super for email. You can reach me at info at and my fine artwork is on my website, abbychamberlain.com. Both of those are spelled abbeychamberlai com. And George's Camera Academy has kindly sponsored me. That makes me very happy because I get to do the thing that I love a bunch, which is teach. And what are you teaching? Several upcoming classes. One is called Layers 101, and it's helping people who are in Photoshop but not Photoshop gurus figure out the hows, whys, and wherefores of using layers and making and improving the images that they take through using Photoshop and Adobe Camera Raw, which I absolutely love to pieces. I'm also teaching underwater photography, and I'm teaching week-long course in the art of photography at the San Bernardino Mountains, which is a couple of hours from San Diego and an hour from LA, and an hour from Orange County. So if anyone wants to come to that, that's August 16th through the 21st. Okay, They can go to artcamp4grownups.com to read more about that. It's a wonderful experience to just delve into art for a week and not be distracted by business and everything else. Everyone deserves not only a vacation, but a vacation from vacations.
1: <laughs> if someone lives far, far away, but they would like some one-on-one tutoring in Photoshop, mm-hmm. is that something you're available for?
0: If they email me at info at AbbyChamberlain.com, I would love to strike up a conversation on on that. I love it.
1: Thank you, Abby, for being my guest on one of my early shows and sharing what I think is the heart of a successful portrait business and the way to stand out from the competition. Yesterday, I googled photographers in my zip code, Abby.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How many do you think there are? In your zip code, 20? 882.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Right. And yet... I've been able to sustain a living for 37 years
0: Mm -hmm. in photography
1: because what I do is different than the other 881, hopefully. And that is to give that personal care and to make people feel special and become a part of their family and sell the work in person.
0: Repeat business is so vital to what we do. I can't emphasize that enough, and I think you're making the same point. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I think it's worth five in the bush. Yes. One of our
1: friends for a long time, Bruce Hudson, used to travel the country teaching a workshop called Relationography. Mm -hmm. And in fact, a little plug, he doesn't know I'm doing, but if you go to Amazon, he has updated his Relationography book. And he takes it even to other levels he has parties and invites his best clients and mm-hmm. you know there's there's so many ways that we can pamper our favorite clients and you know have them feel like how would they ever use anyone else so the client loyalty is massive so I just want to thank you for helping the listeners be thinking about that.
0: My pleasure. Yeah.
1: So I absolutely love supporting photographers who are passionate about building more profitable businesses and sharing their creative gifts to the world. So if you would like my ebook on marketing and to learn more about my services, you can just go to lucidumascoaching.com, L-U-C-I-D-U-M-A-S, coaching.com to connect with me. So again, I want to thank you, Abby being my guest and I do hope the listeners have taken pages of notes because I think there was a lot of good content here so
0: thanks a bunch you're welcome and best wishes to your listeners thank you bye you have been listening to the highly profitable photographer with Lucy Dumas if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate subscribe review and share To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.